Hey, everybody, and welcome to 52 Weeks of Empowerment. My name is Andrea Pagnozzi. I'm your host, and I am also a career empowerment coach who's fiercely dedicated to getting everyone in 2022 to realize their true career potential. In the process of finding ourselves in life, there are a lot of peaks and valleys, sometimes more valleys than peaks. And I am a big believer that the way that we react and respond to things in life says a lot about our character, says a lot about how our future is going to play out. But the one thing that I've always been taught, whether it was my parents, whether it was people I considered mentors, whether it was great managers and, and directors that I've had in my career, or even just people I admire, including my next guest, I've learned from them that the journey is not straight shot. There are a lot of peaks and valleys you're going to have to weather and how resilient you can be in the storm is really a testament to how far you've come and what you can learn from it to take with you when, and I say when that opportunity presents itself. I fest a lot faster for all of us. Sometimes if we can force our mindset into much more positive space. And hopefully you're going to emerge from today's podcast in a very positive space, listening to the amazing story of my guests. Michelle Kauai is not just a peer and a fellow coach, but she is somebody who has had a very unique life and unique experiences that she brings to her business, Elevate Life Coaching, to help others realize that you can overcome adversity. Your moment is going to come. You just get to react and respond appropriately. She's also the author of Perfectly Normal, an immigrant story about making it in America. I just love her viewpoint. It says it on her website. One of the first things you see is life isn't about becoming. It's not about becoming successful or being or stronger. And today she's going to tell you why that is. So Michelle, welcome to 52 Weeks. Thank you so much for having me on the show. As you're doing the intro, I'm I'm getting very teary because it's a it's been a very long winding road. And I say that because I think just within the last two years, there's so many things happen. And there's a lot of us feeling that we're on a journey. And it was not a journey that we have chosen. It was chosen for us. And as I'm listening to and reflecting back to my own journey, it really makes my heart ache a little bit because when you're being placed on that journey, uh, we all watch Wizard of Oz and we know Dorothy and how Dorothy got brought into the magical kingdom of, of Oz. It wasn't by choice. It was by a tornado. And she didn't have the choice to be in that tornado. The tornado swept her house onto the way into the kingdom of the Oz. And so when I reflect back, a lot of times we don't have any choices. And it's not a choice that we made. But what do you do when you don't have a choice? Do you stop at this point or do you go on on this journey? So I really appreciate this great opening. Well, I appreciate you being here because I think people will start to see when they hear your story, there were a lot of times when your choices were made for you and then you turned it to an about face and say, uh-uh, I've got this and I, I know where I need to go. It's not going to be easy to get there. 
And there's so many people, Michelle, listening to our story that are in that place, right? They really want to get ahead in their career or they want to just get out of where they are. And to your point, I believe that in a corporate structure, a lot of people feel that they're either chosen or they're frozen. They're on a career path or they're on a path to nowhere. And it, they can make it their own. And listening to inspirational stories like yours, I think, can help get there. So tell us a little bit about your journey, specifically your early years and what got you into coaching. Yeah. So my journey, I always begin it with age 11. At age 11, I had a huge accident that pretty much turned something that was normal to something that most people would consider abnormal. Before age 11, I was just a normal kid, you know, your everyday child was running around and I was very active, very optimistic, very happy kid. I like to play with my friends all the time. But one day I was coming out from school and I was crossing the street to meet my mom who was who came and picked me up. I had this car accident. I was hit by a taxi that was driving really fast. The next thing I know, I realized that I was in, in hospital bed. I looked around, I was surrounded by doctors and nurses and my parents were talking to the to my doctor, but I had no clue of how I got there. What I remember was I was crossing the street. I even turned, I waved goodbye to my friends. And there I was, found myself in the middle of the street, had no recollection of how the car accident happened. A lot of the detail came afterwards from all the witnesses uh, who were on the scene. Um, so from what I could remember and what I would what I heard was that the car hit me and pushed me about a hundred feet away. And so I passed out. And somehow my mom was on the scene and she and other witnesses were able to help me to get me to the hospital. By the time I woke up, I found myself, I was bound from waist down all the way to my ankle. Uh, the doctor had put me, wrapped me in a, in a plaster so I couldn't move. And mind you, this is at age 11. And so I couldn't move for a good three months of time. I was sent home. My parents had set up a bed right in our living room. So I spent on that bed for three months as an 11 year old, I had nothing else to do but read. I can imagine only, and I am so glad that it wasn't worse because we wouldn't be here today. Do you feel that sense of purpose in telling your story is that there was a reason I survived. There was a reason why I went through what I went through. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. And we may not know in that moment of time what this reason may be. We don't know why. And, and perhaps that's the reason why we actually search. Like we spend our entire lifetime searching for meaning because there's no way for us to know ahead of time why this happened, something happened to me. It was after the fact you grow into adulthood, you start to accumulate more experiences. Then when you think back, it all starts to make sense. Every event truly believe coincidence doesn't happen. It's synchronicity. Everything is synchronized in the way that the universe is teaching you and leading you to a path. So there is a great scheme of design. There's a bigger design that you and I would not have any idea of 
oh, this is where Andrea would go. This is where Michelle is going to be. We don't know that. You just have to trust that intuition. Some people call it the higher power. It's something that you cannot touch or feel or see. And which is why a lot of people, when they find themselves in adversity, it's really challenging for them to actually have that belief, having that faith, because it's something that they cannot see, feel, or tell. But someone who has a, a faith background, they may it may be a little easier emotionally and, and mentally because they have something to rely on, some a, a more of a um, something that they can feel. I can pray, I can read the Bible, I can do a lot of scripture. There's something concrete and tangible that they can rely on versus someone who doesn't have faith or have no belief and who doesn't know how to trust that process. So where do I land that intuition on? How do I know it's there? How do I know it exists? And so going through that journey, everything happened for a reason. I didn't know what that re reason was. And a lot of people say, Michelle, you're so happy. How can you possibly have that terrible experience in the past? You grow and learn from it. If you were to meet me 11 years old or actually 16 years old, I was dealing with a lot of that lack of self-esteem or that, um, you know, that inner critics that we all have. I would not be sitting here and having the smile on my face. I would not have that happy and optimistic tone of voice to describe what I was going through. You'll probably hear more of the resentment, all of this anger and shame that was going on, going through my mind. What you see today is the aftermath. It's a it's the accumulation of all the experiences, and finally seeing the light. One of the interesting things about yourself, the experiences you've had, and we're going to speak to some of them, that you have chosen, like you have an incredible workout ethic, you exercise religiously, and you specifically say, today's not a good day for me, but I'm going to push it. I'm going to give it my all. You've journeyed to Machu Picchu. You're a public speaker. You've written a book widely known for being an excellent coach and inspirational speaker. None of these things, none of these things are easily attained. But you started out You've bounced back in such a way that you continue to challenge the status quo in your life. Do you ever think to yourself, hey, if that didn't happen to me, I wonder how I would react to things differently? I, I do. There's not a single day where I, I didn't wish that the accident didn't happen. And I always imagined that I was living in a different life. And I sometimes I imagine myself being the alien. You know, I was trapped. I was the alien visiting this earth planet, earth planet, but somehow I was trapped in the wrong body. So sometimes I imagine, you know, there's a different life. Some, somewhere in the parallel universe, I exist somewhere differently. But then I think back, perhaps not so much so, right? Because that person who's in a parallel uh, universe may be experiencing a different type of adversity or different type of life experience that is going to be very challenging. So that's going to be very different than what I'm experiencing here. But essentially, the lessons that we learn in life will be the same. Because as human beings, we're, we're designed to learn the life lessons that we need to learn. It may come different stages. It may introduce to us by various time frame, different point. But at the end of the day, the lessons that we need to learn 
are pretty universal. Mm -hmm. If we were to look at a hundred people, their their life story, I bet you that a hundred people can tell you that I have learned adversity, I have learned resilience, I have learned courage, I have learned how to be confident. So they become values that we live by and that we believe in in our everyday life. So that Michelle, who's in another parallel universe, is probably learning the same thing in a different way, in a different uh, scenario, different circumstances. I like that perspective because it means a lot, I'm sure, to the listeners who themselves are thinking to, why am I here? What is my purpose? Oftentimes as a coach, I'm asked that very question. And I say, similar to what you're saying, I believe we're here to live, love, and learn and to trust the process. And very often they've hired a coach because they're not trusting the process. So what's the first step? in taking on an ambitious approach to your life when you're in that mindset. Because as we said in the beginning, and you've admitted it, you've been in that place too, 16 years old and trying to revive yourself from an accident and deal with the outcomes. It's okay to have that negative place. It's staying stuck in that negative place. It's hard. So how do we reinvent or reimagine and sort of reframe our mind? It, it almost sounds in a very negative way, but it, it probably, it, uh, people may take it that way. But I'm going to start by saying normalize yourself. I, that word is very triggering, but normalize yourself. You are special, but you are not that special. Meaning the unfortunate event doesn't just pick you, it pick everybody. It could be my friend who is crossing the street, it could happen to her. But I was just happened to be in that spot at that moment, at that time. And it was the right moment for me to learn, learn that lessons. And so it can happen to everyone. When you start to normalize and becoming and realizing that you are not alone in these experiences, then it gives you, it makes room. It allows you to make room to start learning how to accept the unacceptable. Learning to accept what you cannot change or control. And once you start having that acceptance, knowing that this is just happened, it's just like, you know, I, I drop a pencil on the floor, just happened. What isn't normal to some people is when they see those around them getting ahead who do seemingly less than they do. What isn't normal for some is to see people less deserving of them be promoted, get the job, get the girl, get the man of their dreams, get all of these success goals that we have. It's not fair to them. I'll use the word fair. I don't like that word, but I, I'll use it for this pretense. All of the things that I've seen you accomplish over the years of being your contact and getting to know you, you haven't done the easy way. You've done it the hard way. You've put the work in. Tell us a little bit about your journey with Machu Picchu. What inspired you to do that? What was it all about? And how has it helped to shape the way you move forward? I, I want it to be normal. <laughs> you know, a lot of what you talked about, how, you know, I see other people getting promoted. Why couldn't I get promoted, right? It, it's, it's finding ways to normalize for myself that I can connect to the rest of the society and community I, I am part of. And during that time when I decided that I was going to challenge myself to Machu Picchu, 
I was around the time where my colleagues at work, they were all going to Machu Picchu. They were all like coming back from the trip. They said how amazing it is. They wanted to share with everybody. And there I was with in that conversation, but was I was in the conversation as an outsider. I didn't experience what they experienced. I didn't know what places that that they were talking about. I didn't know how how big or how small the the place was was uh, that you have to climb. I couldn't imagine what they were going through, and I wanted to be part of it. So in order for me to be part of that conversation to normalize myself as in that group, I need to be um, Machu Picchu. And so I didn't, like you said, I didn't choose the easy way out. And just to give the listener a visual, I am four feet, four inches tall. I walk with two crutches. And so it was pretty challenging to having to face these gigantic stone, ancient stone, and having to crawl on them one by one to get to the top of Machu Picchu, which is at 14 14,000 feet above sea level. But I wanted to prove to myself that I can do this just as the person sitting next to me. And so I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I am a fighter at heart. (laughs) I, I fight. I fight. We power through. I'm a warrior. We can win this. And so when I see a challenge, I don't see it as a challenge. I see it as an opportunity to give myself that room to grow. I don't know what I'm I'm going to be successful. I'm going to try not get myself killed on Machu Picchu. So I actually had helicopter insurance. I had uh, medical insurance. I make sure that all my, my back is being covered. And I put myself in that situation because I want to be part of a community. I want to be able to in, be in a conversation where people are talking about Machu Picchu. And so I think my warrior actually booked the ticket. It's not Michelle. It's the warrior Michelle who actually booked the ticket to Machu Picchu. And I spent four days hiking through 26 miles of Inca Trail. And you completed it. And you did a great job. You did a great job. I couldn't be more proud of you. I say that to you every time we meet. And I'm so humbled by the experience because there have been lesser journeys in my life that I know I've wanted to tap out. And here you are climbing Machu Picchu, who even knew there was helicopter insurance. I mean, it's unfathomable to me when I look back at times in my life where I've hit hit a wall, where it's an impediment. I'm either going to get up over it or around it. You and I share that view. A lot of people get very defeated when it happens to them over and over and over again. We as a people sometimes choose to persevere because we know that we can control what we can control and hope for the best. What inspires somebody like you to continue to do that? I think life is precious. And I am the kind of person who appreciate life in general, any life being on this planet. I think it's so beautiful. And yes, it's challenging. It's sad. Sometimes it's depressing. But if you think about human life, how many years do we have? So our time is very limited on this, on this, in this lifetime. I don't know what my afterlife is going to be, but I know that I can live 
for, let's say I'm healthy, I can live to 100 years. That's 100 years of life experiences. You're going to get stuck, whether you're feeling sad and lonely and depressed, or you're going to get stuck feeling happy, joy, and content and fulfilled. So you have you and I have the same amount of time. The question becomes, what do you want to do with the time that you have? And not so much, what do you want to do with the life that you have? This is how much time we have. Limited. You're so right, because it's we don't know how much time we have. That's something we can't control. We can control what we put in our bodies. We can control how we take care of our bodies. We control a very small part of it. But you're right. We've got to make the most of the experiences we have while we have it, even if that means you're stuck at a job you feel you can't get out of. How do you work with clients to kind of have a mindset that you're in this situation for a reason, drink it up like a sponge so that you have it for the next experience? That's a hard thing to ask of somebody who's miserable in a job. It's funny because what's coming up for me is I went to a conference a couple of years ago and it was a monk. It was a Tibetan monk. And he was talking about staying in the present moment. And the way that he described it was that you're going to imagine your time is a thin line, right? And you're looking at a fraction of the time, right, sitting right in front of you. So as you're looking at this fraction of time, that 10 seconds already passed. 20 seconds is gone. And so you keep thinking about how you're stuck. You don't have any choice, right? You can't go up because there's other people they're promoting and here you are, you're stuck. But 20 minutes just passed and you're still stuck 20 minutes ago. You're still stuck with that thought, but time is still moving in the other direction. So when you have that visual of how each time, each moment, the time is moving, right? It's the time is constantly moving. Then you realize I just wasted 20 minutes thinking about something that's already doesn't exist anymore. When you think about that, you come back to the present moment because this moment is the moment that's going to decide for the next moment, next 10 seconds, the next 10 seconds. So how you decide right now is going to change how you're going to see in the next 20 seconds. That's a great way to look at it. You're looking at it through the eyes of an individual who's had adversity in your life. And you're also looking at it from a vantage point that we haven't tackled a great deal on the show, but it's a topic that comes up in corporate America all the time. It's diversity. You are a woman of Asian descent. You are diverse in your experiences. I look at diversity, not just in how somebody gender identifies their race, their creed, their color of their skin. I look at it as as well, diverse thought and diverse experiences. So coupled with the fact that you're this beautiful woman who is bringing so much robust experience and inspiration to the table, you're very diverse. A lot of people are thinking to themselves, am I not diverse enough? Am I not unique enough? I like the fact that you're coming from a place of normalization versus differentiation 
Talk a little bit about that and why that's important to adopt that mentality. So I'm normalizing the fact that everyone, every single one of us are gifted and unique in that way. So you are just as gifted, unique, and and powerful, amazing as I am, as a person sitting on the subway next to it or on the bus. So it's normal in the sense that everyone is special. Everyone is unique. And so when you have that understanding that everyone is different and unique, you start to see and, and appreciate your own uniqueness because there, there's no two Michelle in this world, maybe in the parallel universe, but definitely not in this planet. You will not find another um, Michelle who's making the grammatical er- mistake on social media all the time. <laughs> you, will not, <laughs> you will not find another Michelle who sometimes was slipping the Chinglish in her English. <laughs> you will not be able to find that. And that is my uniqueness. That is powerful. And same thing with the person who's sitting in the office right now, who's thinking about, I don't, there's nothing special about me. I bet you that you can sort the Excel file or put the spreadsheet on a high steroid power compared to the person who's sitting across you. So something that we each one of us do so uniquely that we almost don't realize that that's something that we're doing. That's what makes you powerful. That's your superpower. I understand personal branding. I understand you have to differentiate yourself from the multitude of candidates that may be in place for a job or a promotion. I understand it's a competitive atmosphere and there's some health to that. What I don't understand is why people in their own heads make themselves out to need to be so drastically different than everybody else and don't celebrate who they are. Is it a societal influence? I I think it's a multitude of the culture, the education, our education system. I mean, let's face it. It's like you're giving a box. They put you in a box. They want you to compete in that box. And you think that, oh, staying in the box is the right thing. But have you stepped outside the box? You know, maybe it's a pizza box. Um, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But I think the societal culture, our education, our parents, our family, right? Everybody somehow pick up this idea of I need to live my life in a certain way in order to be considered normal. And so that standardization that, you know, a lot of corporate America love, the facts, right? These are the facts. How many check boxes can you check off? And that will make you qualify for my job. And that's the framework, that's the belief that we all carry into our job, into our education, into our uh, the work that we do. How many boxes can I check off in order to qualify for this position? Well, what if you don't have any boxes to check off? What does that make you? That makes you very different, actually. And a lot of time we feel uncomfortable about the differences. For some reason, being different just makes us very uncomfortable. Indeed. And to the point where we won't even throw our hat in the ring if we don't have substantial number of the boxes checked. So what I hear you saying is, don't use the victim mentality. If you've got none of the boxes checked, you're actually the hero in the situation. I'm in a circle of truth, <laughs> not in boxes. <laughs> I don't need to check all boxes. I just need to put my circle around things. You know, you know, you go into dogs will go around and marking their territory. That's the mindset. I'm going to walk into a job, to a workplace. I'm going to mark my territory. 
this is what I'm really good at. This is where I shine. I'm going to do my best showing up. And the, the rest of the stuff that's outside the box, I'm willing to learn, right? When you start seeing your life as a circle, as a full circle, you start to embrace a lot of things. You embrace them with open heart. You embrace them with open arm. You embrace them every piece of imperfection because that circle can infinitely grow extensively. But when you have a box, box had edges, and, and you put a box around yourself, you can only grow and expand so much. Exactly, exactly. And when you stretch yourself too thin, that's when you start to break down. And I often tell people, you may have every box checked. You may be the person they are looking for soup to nuts, and they still may not hire you. And you've got to look at it as an unanswered prayer. Something is stopping you from that experience. That's not the experience you're here to do. How do you get people to wait patiently? That's a hard thing. How do you do that? That's a very um, challenging question. And that's a good question. How do you get someone to wait? You do and you don't. You wait in the sense that trusting that inner guidance, trusting that Oz that we talked about earlier, and knowing that there's a great scheme of design that's waiting for you. And so you don't ask, where is the yellow brick roll going to take me? You just go onto that yellow brick roll, right? You just keep walking. So in the sense that you wait until the universe is ready to give you the next lessons, but you don't wait because in order to get going, you have to get going. So you don't wait to take an action. You take an action and see where the action will be taking you. I love that. And this is why you're on the show. This is why you can empower people because it's not about waiting. You're still taking action. Maybe that's not the path. Maybe the yellow brick road is bifurcated somehow and you're supposed to make a choice. Sometimes you do have choices. Sometimes you can go left instead of right back to go forward. How do you tap into people's intuition on that? How have you tapped into yours? Wow, there's a lot of things I tried, but I think the most effective things that I ever come across is meditation. And the way I meditate, I don't just sit in a quiet place, close my eye and, you know, put some aroma like like uh, uh, essential oil on. The way that I like to meditate is I like people watching. <laughs> I like people watching. So I will find myself on a very busy street and I would just sit there quietly by myself, but I'm observing people coming by. I'm just watching people, observing people. There's actually uh, a practice called receptive meditation. And basically what you do is you open up all your senses and you allow what is externally happening and you receive them with open arm. So as I'm watching all these people walking by, there's movement that they're creating. There's things that they're doing. So I'm paying attention. I'm drawing my attention to the movement that they're making, to the things that they're doing. And in that moment of time, you find glimpse of that serenity. And that to me is a very powerful meditation practice. There's actually literature on that. And you just let your senses be open and receive what comes to you. 
And you can do that with the hearing too. So if you sit at a quiet place, listen to what's coming to your ear. Maybe it's the bird sound, maybe it's something that's passing by, the car, the sirens. Focus on that. It takes your mind, your busy monkey mind off whatever that you're thinking in that moment. And just do that for five minutes and see what, what would be different. Circle of trust, although this circle is a great deal bigger because we've got people listening to us and we thank you for that, by the way, listeners. I remember when I went into menopause, I, my husband called it mental pause because I would walk into a room and I totally forget why I was there. And I was nervous. I thought my grandmother had Alzheimer's disease is this early onset. And I went to the doctor and I legitimately asked, well, we'll keep an eye on it because it is possible, but it's also a very big side effect of menopause because your body is metamorphically changing. Your hormones are out of whack. And so your body's trying to struggle for homeostasis. And she said to me, the very same thing you just said, and she didn't call it receptive meditation, but she called it, get yourself out of the box you're in could be that pizza box you talked about earlier because menopause comes with the ability to eat. I'll tell you that and gain weight. And I did that. And what I chose to do wasn't people watch, but I can, I will try that because I think that sounds amazing, but it's that connect with nature part. I put my feet in the grass in my backyard for about 10, 15 minutes and just listen to the sounds and look around me. And whatever I went into that room looking for, suddenly it comes to me. You're so inspirational. I know you're super busy, but I know that there are people out there that would love to connect with you and learn to really adopt many of your practices. Yeah. So there's two ways to work with me. One is I'm currently working with women coaches to help them to grow their business uh, by using the power of storytelling. And I think on this podcast, we have talked so many different stories and I'm, I'm full of stories. And I truly believe that every single one of us have stories to tell. So that's uh, from my coaching perspective. And on my speaking side, I'm definitely open to uh, be a speaker. So if anyone who's having an event or workshop, you would like to work with a speaker, I'm available. You can go to my website at elevatelifecoaching.org and you can find more information about both my coaching and my speaking. And I urge people to do that. Michelle, thank you so much for the time you spent on 52 Weeks of Empowerment. I know that the people that are looking for answers and uh, try to get out of where they're at, you've helped them feel a lot more normal. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. It has been. And we'll definitely have you back because there's so much more storytelling that we can do. Thank you, Michelle, for starting the conversation. Thank you. Thanks to everybody listening. That's all we have time for this week. We will be back next week, same time, same place, even more power.